Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. Welcome to Business Story of the Week today, guys. I've got somebody really cool that I think you guys should get to know. Uh, his name is Mike Jackness, and I'm pretty sure that's his real name. Uh, <laughs> you can't Mike, make this it, stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> welcome aboard, Mike. Mike is a seven-figure Amazon seller. Mike runs a very prominent e-commerce website called Ecom Crew, where he talks about all things e-commerce. And Mike, welcome on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm an Amazon seller and uh, and also have a podcast and community for for e-commerce. And so, uh, before that, I was doing affiliate marketing and you know content marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So I started doing that back in in 2004. Quit my job in 2004 later that year, uh, and along the way, got into e-commerce. I was doing affiliate marketing. We owned treadmill.com. I, I was a big domainer kind of guy over the years, and owned and still own several kind of single word or, or two word kind of high, high value domain names. And one of those was treadmill.com. And at some point along uh, the way, I, I remember like taking a hike one day and just kind of having this epiphany of, uh, you know, affiliate marketing and the way that we were doing it probably wasn't going to survive. And maybe we should be selling things directly to customers. And uh, that's how we got into it. And uh, after selling treadmill.com in 2015 and buying another business, we decided to start documenting the whole journey uh, through through podcasting and blogging and been doing that uh, since since 2015 and getting close to, to 500 podcast episodes now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I love that. And I definitely want to talk to you about podcasting and how that's helped you improve your business. But let's rewind a little bit. Sure. And talk about 18-year-old hmm. Mike dropping out of high school. Because I understand you are a high school dropout. Not a dropout. I okay. I, uh, I went my senior year and finished the senior year. Uh, one of my uh, teachers failed me uh, to make a point because I missed too many days of his class, and so I had to actually go to summer school to get my <laughs> diploma. I did. I did actually graduate though, and I, I did take some college classes uh, afterwards. But school was not my thing. I mean, uh, I was an entrepreneur very early on and was thinking about the work I was going to be doing and not the school that I was going to be going to, uh, when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. And, um, you know, for, for good, bad or indifferent, I, I certainly don't knock college and, but I, I got four more years of work experience over my, uh, over my friends. You don't look like you're doing too bad now. So, okay. So you're 18, you finish high school, barely yeah. By going to a summer school program, teachers yeah. didn't think you were you were going to make it, but you no. made it. And then what happens? I uh, I remember I went down. There was a company or a store called Comp USA that, that used to exist in, in Northern Virginia when I was a kid. I was a a computer nerd, and I went down there to to get a job. And I think they were paying like six bucks an hour, which I thought was ridiculous for the skills that I felt that I had at that point because I. I kind of knew what I was doing. And so I decided, he's like, you know what? I'm going to try to start my own computer consulting business. I can charge 20 bucks an hour, uh, which was a fraction of what everybody else was charging to do something similar. And if I could get just two hours of work a day, I was already doing better than 
if I worked full time at, at CompUSA. Uh, and so that's what I did. I went from CompUSA down to uh, Sir Speedy and printed a, a box of business cards and uh, called myself discount computer consultants and uh, did that for, for several years until one of my clients actually hired me uh, full time as a job. Oh my fucking God, man. Business cards. You remember business cards? I mean, even like COVID pretty much fucking killed business cards, but yeah. pre-COVID, they were already dead. What's even well, funnier is the number on my business card was a pager. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that, re that really dates me, but it, it was literally a pager because cell phones didn't exist yet, really. I mean, <clears throat> there were car phones, but like in your pocket, cell phones didn't, didn't quite exist yet. And if they did, they were way beyond my means for sure. And so I had a pager and uh, that's how people got a hold of me. Dude. And remember it was a status symbol, right? Like if you had one on yeah. your, on your waist, that meant yes. you, were, you were somebody. I was either somebody <laughs> or a drug dealer. Those were the two, the two options at the time. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Okay. I wouldn't know anything about that. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's move forward a little bit. So that's, that's amazing. So you didn't have the internet. You didn't have any of that stuff. You're just like, man, I'm going to print up some freaking business cards and go out there uh, and yeah. and start a business, right? And you were how old at this time? I was 18. Yeah, 18. I, just, I just finished high school. Yeah. Um, barely limped over the finish line as we were talking about. And uh, yeah, I was 18 years old. Okay. And then what happened next? I mean, I it actually grew relatively quickly. I mean, I passed out the business cards to kind of friends and family kind of thing. Um and immediately people just needed help, right? I mean, if you think back to, oh God, what year would this have been? It would have been 1994. Sure. Um, and so computers weren't as prominent as they are today, right? I mean, people, not everyone had a computer in their house. If they did, they didn't fully understand them. I mean, Windows hadn't even come out yet. It was like, I was helping people with DOS and WordPerfect. And, <laughs> um, it, you know, it's, it's a crazy time to be alive. And I also knew how to build computers. And so this was before Dell and Compaq. And so, you know, I would go down to the computer show in town and buy all the components, a motherboard and memory and a processor and a case and everything and, and put it all together. And then I could build a computer for a fraction of the cost of what it would cost to go into a computer store and buy one. And so that also became a, a big part of what I did. I would sit out in front of that trade show or the little marketplace or whatever that it was like every Saturday in, uh, in Centerville, Virginia. And uh, I just sat out there with a sign. It was like, I'll help you build your computer. If you, if you are going in here to buy components and don't feel comfortable, I'll go in there and, and help you. So I got business that way. And I just kind of hustled uh, to the point where, you know, I had more business than I knew what to do with. And uh, wow. eventually I, I ended up getting a, a business client that hired me and, uh, and I ended up taking a full-time job for several years as I felt like it was a good opportunity uh, which it was. I mean, I learned quite a bit there and got paid quite well for, especially my age and not having a college degree. So uh, things things did work out. Love that. Love to hear that, right? Because it, it, it was a different generation then. And, 100%. And really, there was no internet. People don't understand the impact of like you having to go stand somewhere face-to-face -face yeah. in front of people and face rejection. Right? Oh, yeah. How many I mean, people... How many people said no to you or like, get the fuck out of here, nerd? You know? I mean, I, I was pretty <laughs> passive. I would just stand out there kind of like a, a homeless guy with the sign of, you know, almost similar to that. 
Um, and, and so people would walk by and kind of read the sign. Eventually someone would be like, okay, like, come on and help me out. Um, you know, I think I charge like 50 bucks to go in there and basically help you pick out the right components. I, I had developed relationships with the vendors, my favorite vendors in there that would give discounts. So they would end up doing better uh, having me help them. And then I would build their computer for, I think 200 bucks or whatever it was. And I got to a point where like, I just, you know, I, I would get, uh, you know, two to five people per Saturday that would help me go do this. And I would take all that stuff and throw it on my trunk. And I would build it all in like one day. Like, I mean, I had it down to a science of how to quickly assemble these computers and then go deliver them to people. And, you know, I was making good money. I mean, way more than $6 an hour at CompUSA. That's for sure. And, you know, that didn't seem like a, a viable solution to me. And so pretty quickly, I was, I was doing pretty well for an eight-year-old kid that basically had no education. I love that. I love to hear these up and coming stories of people who like basically pulled themselves up from their own bootstrings and, and, yeah. and made it just by hustling and hard work. So that's incredible that you did that. So how do we get from there to you running an e-commerce business for over a decade? Yeah. I mean, I, I was at that full-time job for seven years and I kept on getting promoted and I uh, actually went employee of the year at one point, which was kind of neat, just uh, especially since it was a sales company and I was the IT guy. And so that was a fun accomplishment. But at some point, the growth opportunities kind of ran their course. The company, you know, kind of stagnated and started kind of retracing a little bit. We were a computer room power quality equipment supplier in Northern Virginia, which was kind of like the the hotbed of, of computer rooms on the East Coast uh, because the... Uh, the main fiber conduit for internet access went through there. And so it was just the right company at the right place at the right time. And it exploded in growth. Uh, but over time, uh, you know, that growth kind of stopped. And so they, they, they downsized a little bit and it just became less fun and exciting. And I was starting to look for something else to do and found out about affiliate marketing and uh, started doing that in January of 2004. And uh, by July, I had quit my job. I mean, I was making more money and I was making six figures at my job. I mean, I was doing very well, again, especially for a pretty young guy. I, mean, I was no longer a kid at this point, but I was a young adult uh, in my 20s making six figures. Again, no college education. Um, and so, I mean, I, but I was, you know, I worked hard and, and advanced and got a lot of opportunity, but you know, it just wasn't exciting anymore. And so when I started doing the affiliate stuff, it was growing like wildfire. We had some pretty amazing years. Uh, and eventually, you know, started acquiring domain names and doing more affiliate marketing. Uh, I took some time off in between a little bit here and there. And just eventually, again, I, I was out on a hike. I actually really remember this almost like it was yesterday. I was out on a hike. And I was just kind of thinking about the future of affiliate marketing and, and the way that I was doing it, which, you know, realistically, I wasn't adding a lot of value. I was putting up review sites, ranking products, mostly based on who was paying me the most, which a lot of affiliate marketers do, not necessarily really good quality content that was helping somebody. And I was just kind of like having this, this moment of like, I'm getting older. I feel like I need to be doing better with my life and better for society and, and the world. And this is not it. And uh, turned treadmill.com from being an affiliate site to actually selling the equipment. And you know, next thing you knew, we were in the e-commerce business. And that's kind of how it happened. What happened to treadmill.com? We, we grew it and ended up selling it in uh, January of 2015. So we ran it for about three years. 
sold a few million dollars worth of fitness equipment during that time. And the main reason I sold it is just, honestly, for me, it was a miserable business. Um, you know, I like making people happy and, yeah. and delivering good service and products. And, you know, I never want someone's money if they aren't happy or they feel like they've been ripped off in some way or whatever, whatever that might be. Sure. And the real, reality was, is that, you know, we were, had about a 90% pissed off customer rate. <laughs> it was very <laughs> hard to make people happy. And they were right. You know, it wasn't just whiny kind of Karens or whatever, right? This was like real issues. Stuff was being delivered late or not at all or delivered broken or the person delivering it didn't actually know how to assemble it or they would track dirt through their house or just all kinds of things. And it was all completely out of my control. You know, I was drop shipping this equipment from the manufacturer. It was being shipped via common trucking company and not, not UPS or FedEx. And so it was highly unreliable. They would give you these like cable company type windows of like 8 a.m. to noon and then show up at like 2 p.m. And meanwhile, someone took off a half day of work and now they want you to compensate them for that because they've now got to take another half day off or they don't show up at all. Things shows up broken. They got to, I mean, it's just all the things that yeah, can go wrong were going wrong. And it was for me, miserable. It, and the person who bought it probably didn't care about that stuff because it, so it, it made money. What was the revenue? Speaking of that, what was, what was the top line revenue uh, when you sold treadmill.com? It was around $2 million. $2 million. We, and we sold it annual. Yeah. What was the EBITDA? Do you remember? Uh, we were making like 10, 15%. So, you know, a couple hundred thousand, 250,000, something in that range. I mean, drop shipping is not highly lucrative, um, yeah. you know, in terms of a margin and it's gotten uh, even worse over the years. And so I imagine that type of business probably uh, margins are even smaller now. Um, you know, and that's, that's really the thing that like irritates me about talking about type top line revenue all the time. Cause that's kind of the number that a lot of people go by, right. It's like this badge yeah. of honor of like, I'm a seven figure seller, eight figure seller, whatever it is. I mean, I could be a, a nine figure seller easily. I mean, yeah, uh, but I might not be making any money, right. You can right. <laughs> you run the ad budget way up and sales will happen. And so profitable yeah. companies are, are the hard ones to, gen to, to generate and maintain. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I know, I mean, you know, we, we operate several, uh, many figure Amazon businesses. And I tell people all the time when, you know, we get ready to sell one of these companies and they look at the numbers, they're like, well, look at your competitor there. You know, we checked them on helium 10 and they're doing, yeah. you know, 10 million, 10 million a month just on that one SKU. And I'm like, yeah, but they're spending 11. Yeah. That's exactly. the difference. Yep. hundred percent. That's the difference. Yeah. What most people don't understand is that to buy real estate on the Amazon platform, you can effectively, if you've got enough capital to muscle other people out, you can just increase that ad spend and it'll show on Helium 10 and Jungle Scout that you're selling more. What it doesn't yep. show is how much you're spending in ad spend. So, okay. So $2 million top line, 250K roughly. Uh, can you say what that company sold for? What multiple you guys sold for? Yeah. I mean, it's been so long now that I'm not even sure that the NDA is applicable anymore, but uh, probably... I guess it probably technically still is, but you know, it was kind of in that, let's just say it was in the standard e-commerce multiple of like the, the three X range. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was a little right. bit more than that, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, kind of typical, typical e-commerce multiples. Let's say. Just on, under a million. Did you, did you get an earn out on it or was no, it, it was all, cash? it was an all cash deal. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. That's yeah. a, that's a good thing. So you don't have to worry about how the guy's going to operate it. Yeah. And, and how did you, how did you find a buyer for your, for that e-commerce company? It was actually kind of an interesting story because I 
I didn't know really a lot of brokers like I do now. And I don't actually believe they even really existed back in 2015. Sure. Um, and so I, I went to all the, the fitness manufacturers directly. And I was just like, I thought for sure they would want to buy treadmill.com. Mm -hmm. uh, none of them had any interest. I was, I was shocked. Eventually, what's funny is eventually one of them did buy it now. Um, one of the manufacturers does own it now, but at the time they just, they had no interest. And so then I went to my competitors and uh, one of them was interested and made us an offer and it was below market. Uh, and I, I was, it was like one of these numbers where you're like, if that's all there is, and I'm ready to get out of this thing, <laughs> I'm willing to sell it for this, but like, it doesn't feel real good. Like taking this, this offer. And so I, I got the guy to agree. Uh, it was, it was like mid January. And I was like, give me to the end of the month with this yeah. offer. If you, if you're willing to let it stand that long, let me see if I can get more. And I actually, I reached out. The only bit broker that I knew at the time was the guy that I bought treadmill.com through. Uh, I, I was buying and selling a lot of domain names at this point. And I went to him, was like, look, you know, now I've developed this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to sell it. And he's like, oh my God, I have this guy. I know exactly who to sell it to. It was, it was really like that quick. Like the guy owned like stationarybikes.com or exercisebikes.com or some other fitness domain. And he had in his head that he was going to buy treadmill.com and make this like, I guess, fitness empire or whatever. And he wanted his daughter to run it. And which was kind of funny because she was like in her teens, still in high school. And uh, so I had to help train her. She could, I could tell pretty quickly, she didn't really have a whole lot of interest. And he ended up, uh, you know, being the one that I trained, but um, it was like one of these, like just very lucky moments where the broker knew the right guy, the guy closed in days, all cash, boom, it was done. I had to do 30 days of uh, post close training, which that was annoying. It was a little bit outside the norm, but I got a much higher offer than the other offer. And like I said, it was, it was just under a million dollars and uh you know, the rest is history. And, and I'm glad that I sold it because it was, it wasn't bringing me a lot of satisfaction. That's for sure. It was a tough business. Yeah. You got to value your time and your energy, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I tell people this all the time. You can't manage time. You got 24 no. hours, no matter how much you manage it, you're still going to have 24 hours. Yep. What you, what you can manage. And I tell this to my students all the time is your energy. And if you have a business, a relationship, anything like that, that's just sucking the soul out of you, I don't care how much money it's making you. But let's get back to you. So, all right. So you sell treadmill.com. Yep. Was it just you or did you have a partner? It was just me. And okay. uh, at, at that point, actually, no, we did have a partner, I guess, still at that point. Yeah. Sorry. We did have a partner. Okay. Um, and oh. uh, I forgot about that. My, the guy that I was doing uh, the poker stuff with previously before that in the affiliate space, we ended up partnering on, on trailmail.com. And uh, I had one employee and uh, it was very lucky that I had this employee because, you know, it's interesting how a, a chain of events ends up happening. Uh, everything in life, you look back, it's like all connect the dots, right? And so right. Uh, this was one of these like connect the dot moments where I had this one employee because uh, the business was relatively lean. There wasn't a lot of moving parts to it because we it was all drop shipping, but we needed someone to answer the telephones and do customer service and that stuff. And um, he was awesome. Like the guy was just absolutely awesome. I mean, it was, you know, one of those rare people that like shows up to work every day, never complained, barely ever took vacation, like did his job reliably. He was a joy to be around. He had like a really good sarcastic sense <laughs> of humor like I do. And we would be just like joking all day long. And it was like, at this moment, I was just like, man, like the, the new owner of this business doesn't want him. 
And so he's going to either be unemployed or I need to find something else for him to do. And I knew that I wanted to continue to do e-commerce. I, I enjoyed the e-commerce aspect of it. I just did not enjoy the drop shipping stuff. And so I found this business called icewraps.com that was uh, failing. It was basically about to go bankrupt. And I found, I found it on like biz buy sell and it was up based up in Michigan. And, and I started talking with the guy. It sounded perfect for what I wanted. So I flew up to Michigan like the next day and uh, bought the business, spent like an, you know, a couple of days with his, his employees packaged everything up that was in the warehouse and shipped it to California where I was living at the time. And next thing you knew, we were in the ice wraps business and we still own that business today. And it does, it does quite well. What's an ice wrap. It's just basically uh, it, it, at the time when we bought it, it was reselling other people's products. And so you think about any body part that you would need to wrap with ice, your shoulder, your elbow, your wrist, your ankle, your knee, this could be because you sprained it or broke it or had surgery or whatever it might be. And you throw the packs in the freezer and they're made to conform to a body part. Uh, what eventually ended up happening was we um, discovered Amazon. And this again, was in 2015 and started making our own products and stopped selling other people's products. And so now the brand is 100% our own private label products. Uh, and it's all almost all Amazon. We do some uh, stuff on our own website. Uh, like 10% of the business or something like that. But the, the bulk of the business is, uh, is Amazon. Well, super, super. So by, by the way, if you want to send some to us here, we'll do a giveaway uh, next month. And to two or three people that engage in the comments section, when you read this, um, we might just be offering up some of those uh, products that Mike's talking about Absolutely. on the show. Happy, he wants to, to, happy to donate some products. So we'll, if he uh, wants just, to send some out. Yeah. yeah. After the show, give me your address and we'll, we'll make that happen. Okay, cool. So, all right. So you, you sell treadmill.com. Yeah. You get under a million bucks. You got a partner after you pay taxes, you're living in California. That's not really fuck you money. That's a no, few hundred grand. Not even close. I mean, not even close. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Scott, Scott Adams uh, talks about fuck you money. I like it yeah. when he talks about that. He says, yeah, you know, can't be canceled because he's got a few money. Yeah. So, all right. 100%. Now you buy, now you buy this ice pack company. Um, and now you're like, all right, I'm really going to step it up. And did you use some of the money from treadmill to, to buy the ice pack company? I mean, at, at this point, we already had, you know, from the previous business we had done, we had done pretty well. So that wasn't really the factor. Um, and we bought ice wraps, I think for 50K. I mean, it was basically wow. the cost of inventory. I mean, it was wow. kind of the steal of the century because it's now worth, you know, millions of dollars or whatever, you know, it would, it would sell for today. Some, some sev low seven figure amounts of money. So it's been, it's been a great investment. It's done really well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a matter of like, I got to sell treadmill to raise money to do, to go buy ice reps because it was, it was already within my means. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't reaching for the stars. Well, I love that you're, you're thinking like that. And I tell people all the time about this is that, you know, in particularly the distraction society, the distraction society that we live in, everybody's fucking chasing the shiny thing. Everybody's yeah. chasing the shiny object. So you get a little bit of money in the bank and they're, they're shopping Lambos. They're right. out there test yeah. driving Ferraris and Porsches and stuff. And what, what do you yeah. do? You go out there and you buy a business. You yeah. buy generational wealth. You buy something that's going to do well in any market and that's going to continue to provide revenue for you. That's going to give you a hundred, 500 time return. Yeah. You could have gone out there and bought a Porsche. You know, they make some pretty nice Porsches in those days. You can <laughs> run out there and, and, and buy one 
but yeah. that's going to go down in value and that's going to become a liability and not an asset but instead I, uh, you, bought, you bought an asset yeah absolutely i talk about this all the time i mean I, I often i'll say like you know the reason that i can afford a lambo is because i don't own one right i mean it's <laughs> yeah. i can go buy one tomorrow that's not that's not the issue it's but it, like that comes with a bunch of other stupid purchases you know and so it's not just one thing it's a bunch of things and there's a book on my shelf here if anybody's watching this on video uh, the psychology of money really great book Oh yeah, uh, you know that that I would highly recommend. I wish I read it when I was younger. Someone passed it off to me a couple of years ago, and I had already kind of figured this stuff out. You know, I'd been through earning you know, just crazy amounts of money in a, in a couple of the years that we were doing the affiliate stuff in the early days. And you have access to anything; you can buy anything, and it's it's addictive. And you go do it, but like the end result is either you figure out that this isn't going to actually make you happy, and it makes you more stressful uh, or more stressed. And uh, you know, luckily, I figured this out, and so. We've actually been spending the last 10 years really going through a, a period of downsizing and, and and having less. I mean, we lived out of an RV for two years out of a van. So, I mean, and had everything that I needed in there. I mean, you just realize that uh, that you don't need all this crap. And, you know, it just, it kind of changes your perspective on life. And certainly, uh, you know, having a, a Ferrari is cool and all, but like I can rent one when I want to use it or go up to the racetrack here in Vegas and go drive them and, you know, we have a, a one car that's like our everyday driver and I'm not going to go spend six figures on a car. I think it's crazy. But it, you're, just you're happy. You're happy where you're at. Okay. So Mike, so take us now. Cause I want to make sure I get to what you're doing now. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about your four burner theory. Sure. Uh, family, friends, health, and work, which I think is amazing. It's not my theory, by the way, this is something okay. that I, I've read about. I don't want to pass this off as my own. Okay, cool. Cool. So I want to talk about the four burner theory. I want to talk about Ecom Crew. So this is the part in the show where I'm going to let you just go free and tell us more about what you're doing now and how people can engage with you. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the four burner theory is actually something that uh, a friend of mine, fellow podcaster, Steve Chu, who from my wife quit her job, introduced me to. And, you know, it was just at a point where you know, I was burning myself out. We had gone from when we bought ice rafts, we did like a you know a million dollars and we we were doubling every year. So we did 1 million, then 2 million, then four, then eight. And we were on path to get uh, probably not to 16, but we were going to get well into, into eight figures that year. And, you know, it was just at a point where, um, you know, the work burners just cranked all the way up. And, you know, so the four burner theory basically is that, you know, these burners have to add up to hundred percent, right? And so if you're going to do more work, work harder, more hours, you've got to turn something else down. So that's either your family, your friends, or your health. It's really the four areas of your life. And so for me, I was like turning down the health burner. I was starting to get more overweight and more sedentary and just eating worse and drinking more. And just like, cause like all this stuff becomes perpetual. Like, you know, it just, it adds up on top of each other. I was spending less time with my wife. So like my relationship with her was like degrading after all these years of being married. I wasn't spending time with my friends anymore. So they stopped calling as much or inviting me to things because like all I cared about was work and making more money. And I don't know, like, I think it's just some, sometimes like circumstantial or whatever, like you hear something in the right moment and it really just clicked. And uh, over the next couple of years, I spent a lot of time working on myself and and basically trying to equalize these burners the best that I could. And you can't do it overnight. You got too many obligations, too many things on your plate. You can't just go from working 14 hours a day to, to six overnight. You know, you got to hire people and put systems in place to deal with that stuff. But that's what I did. 
And so, you know, the end result is I, I work way less. I'm way more productive because I actually, you know, am getting quality work done in the hours that I choose to work rather than just sitting in front of a computer and, and having a badge of honor that I work a lot, which is what ends up happening. Cause it's, it's hard to work 14 hours a day, seven days a week and be as productive. Uh, you know, we implemented the traction, you know, the entrepreneurial operating system and got a good team and good systems in place. So it allows me to work fewer hours, allows me to now spend an hour in the gym every day, Monday through Friday, allows me to spend more time with my wife and our relationship, I think has never been better. Uh, it allows me to spend time with my friends and have a, a good social life. And when I turn off the computer at night, like I go out and eat with my friends or drink with my friends or go to concerts or shows. I mean, Vegas is like the hotbed of, of all that. And life has really never been better from that perspective. And uh, the next thing I'll be working on is just reducing stress because uh, being having all these Amazon businesses and working fewer hours does not necessarily mean that you're reducing your stress because Amazon can be a very stressful place to operate within. Um, they are, <laughs> you know, you can make money there, but like they are judge, jury, and executioner. So they can close your account down. They can suspend listings. They can uh, start raising fees. They can limit your inventory. They can do all kinds of things to you that produce immense amount of stress. And so I'm really thinking about now how I can lower that component in my life. Uh, and, and I think that'll complete the puzzle. And so that's the four burner theory. Uh, the other thing I think you asked about was e-com crew. Uh, not much has really changed there. I mean, our mission from day one has been to put out a podcast a week. We're close to episode 500 now after six or seven years of doing this. Um, you know, our, our strategy there, our approach has always been to be completely transparent, which is is pretty different in this space. I mean, we talk about all of our brands and all of our products and all of our successes and also all the failures, um, which again, I think is is a little bit unique. Um, and so that's over at Ecom Crew, either on iTunes or however you get your podcast. And there's also a blog component uh, where you put out content as well. So um, I think that pretty much covers all the things that you were just kind of asking about. Yeah, super. So guys, make sure to check out Mike Jackson and all his work. Again, he can be found at www.ecommercecrew.com. And in closing, Mike, what I wanted to ask you is somebody who is starting from zero, who knows nothing about this, how do they get to that first million? We talked about that. And in one minute or less, if yeah. you're sitting in front of, uh, let's say, a young creative person who's got all the necessary traits, but doesn't know where to start or how to start to get from zero to a million, in closing, what would be your recommendation to them? Yeah, and I, I definitely think that this is still doable. You know, a lot of people ask, is e-commerce dead or is Amazon dead or whatever in 2023? Absolutely not. I mean, e-commerce is going to continue to grow. What I would recommend doing is looking at what you have a personal passion for first. And I think the best businesses are built out of something that you already put your 10,000 hours into and you're not trying to learn e-commerce and some random niche that you know nothing about all at the same time. And so- um, you know, I, I tried to do this. I just don't have a lot of interest that aligned with e-commerce, but you know, if you are a big golfer, let's say, then a golf brand probably makes a lot of sense. If you're really into physical fitness and health, a brand in that space probably makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would also say that you really need something that's unique and different these days, like just being a copycat product and just going through jungle scout or helium 10 and 
trolling, uh, looking for product opportunities really isn't working any longer. And uh, you need something that's unique and differentiated that other people will um, you know, see the benefit to that as well. And also high margins, right? I mean, the day of you know, buying something for a dollar and selling it for three just doesn't work anymore because Amazon's taking a bigger piece of the pie. And uh, you, know, you really need to be at, uh, you know, buy for a dollar and sell it for five at a minimum kind of margins these days to, to have any chance of making it in e-commerce. So I would say that those are the things I would, I would recommend. And then just a correction on the, the URL, it's e-com crew, not e-commerce crew. So E-C-O-M-C-R-E-W.com. Gotcha. So that's www.ecomcrew.com. Uh, I lied. One last question for sure. you. Can you speak just a little bit, uh, like a minute, um, on how podcasting has impacted your business and the mm. effectiveness of podcasting for you? Obviously, I run a startup called Podcast Cola, where we're the premier podcast booking agency in the country. What we do is we book people just like you uh, on amazing podcasts all over the world. And I tell people every day how podcasting really is the highest ROI marketing, especially from people like you and me who are e-commerce marketers. And you know, I've got a half a million dollar bill every month from Amazon for our ad yeah. spend and our yeah. Google ads and Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads. And when I look at the cost of being a guest on other people's podcasts and doing podcasts, as far as the return that we get from those, it's astronomical. So can you yeah. talk a little bit about the impact of podcasting for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned, we started doing it in like 2016, having our own podcast, and we're getting close to episode 500 now. And you know, I'll, I'll throw a, a couple of interesting wrenches in because it's not really about the money uh, in terms of the earning potential from the podcast. It's really been a couple of things for me. Number one, because of the strategy that I mentioned in terms of that we're very transparent, um, it makes me question or be critic more critical about everything that I do in my businesses because I'm going to have to talk about it publicly, <laughs> good, bad, or indifferent. And so it's put a lot of pressure on me to 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 do better because it's never fun to turn on the microphone and say I did this thing and it failed and it sucked. So that that's one component. The other thing is it's opened up all these doors in terms of relationships. I am now friends with a lot of other podcasters and a lot of other influential people in the business. And, um, you know, everyone will take my call because of the podcast. I mean, you become somebody of importance, at least in their eyes. I don't feel like I'm important, but like, at least in their eyes, um, you have an audience, you have the ability to get in front of a lot of people. And so whatever you need, uh, when you're contacting somebody, whether it's like you want to test some software or you're having a problem with a with something that you need help with, or you're looking for a partner in something, or you need advice, or whatever it is, you, it very rarely does someone ever say no. Where uh, the reality is, it's hard to get in the door, all, you know, for whatever it might be, for all kinds of things in in, in this walk of life, and uh, it's really, really opened the door from that perspective for us. Super, super. So, guys, if anyone's interested in Podcast Cola, we're www.podcastcola.com. Make sure to learn more about Mike, connect with him, send him an email, let him know how he did on the show. That's ecomcrew.com. And, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks, man.